0: First of all, know that you're not (laughs) raising a a little terror. This is just how they were designed. And they just don't know how hard is too hard or when we do it. So, you know, we're really in a in a beautiful moment here because they want the people that are bigger and smarter than them, that help keep life in control, to give them the information that they're looking for in this world, and that's going to match with their development. So sometimes they just don't have the developmental capacity to not hit that hard. Like they have to practice so that they can get that control over how fast their arm moves. Um, but I do want to reassure you, it is not mean-spirited.
1: Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Today's episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth.
2: You know, Jennifer, you were talking about, you know, the princess and the pea because, you know, I have had some sheets and you can feel those little balls and they're Mm -hmm. just, you're like, dang. It's distracting. (laughs) It is so distracting. You don't want to sleep on them. I'm feeling
0: such a princess to even (laughs) say it, but it's true. This has not had that problem. The only reason that you want to take your leg up across the sheet
2: (sighs) is because it's so soft. You can't help yourself. So this is probably too much information, but, you know, there are some times at night where I just get hot, all of a sudden hot. And with these sheets, Jennifer, one of my favorite things is to like spread out and find that extra, extra cold spot. And it's significant. You can find that cold spot and get all comfy again in just two seconds flat. So, head over to cozyearth.com. They have like 100 days to try these sheets out. And they're also giving us, our listeners, a discount code. And I think it's one of the best that they've done. So, uh, when you check out, if you'll do mom's on call 40 at cozyearth.com, you'll get 40% off. <laughs>
0: Hi, moms. This is Amanda from Reno, Nevada. My toddler has a blanket now, and at some point when she's falling asleep, she pulls it over her head. She's almost two, and I know she's not going to suffocate, but it scares me when I see it on the monitor. I usually go in and take it off. Do I need to do that, or is that just something to get used to? Also, now that she's two, what is okay to be in her crib? Is it okay for a toy or a book to be in there or to have stuffed
2: animals, or should it just be the baby and the pillow? Thanks so much for answering. Have a good day.
0: Well, the sleep environment for a two-year-old, we are just right at this precipice. It's really two and a half that we would allow um, anything fluffy, blankets, and here's where we really love the sleep sacks.
2: So one blanket that they can't put over their head is the kind you zip up onto their body. Right. And I love it at this age. I like those sleep sacks at this age. I do think that that helps so much. One with, you know, keeping the blankets in place, the quote unquote blanket in place, but it also helps them to not kick that leg over and climb out of that crib. And I personally am not a big fan of pillows, They really don't need pillows until about three or four years of age. When they're out of the crib is when we can go to pillows and and even blankets. They're nice and warm. They have those thicker-footed fleece pajamas that go all the way up to like three years old. And and actually, we were at the Coca-Cola store here at Disney. We're we're at Disney. And they had like a full-size polar bear fuzzy fleece. Romper thingy for adults, yes. I'm like, so it could go all the way up for adults, but that's all they need. That or a sleep sack is perfectly acceptable. They don't need the pillows or blankets really until they're getting transitioned to those toddler beds.
1: And
0: what we find with kids this age is if we do have a loose blanket, either they're transitioned to the toddler bed or even in the crib, it's never over them. So I'm so amazed that this child has this (laughs) blanket over their head. Like, oh, it's actually on them. That is so fascinating because we don't see it very often, but it's not necessary. And the other side of this is that we can make any environment that we feel is safe, we can make any transition that we feel is safe for our two-year-olds without their full understanding, without their permission, and without their approval. And the way that we do that, let's say we wanna make a change. Oh, all of a sudden, you're not gonna have the blanket in there. Are you gonna be confused? Are you gonna be cold? Are you not gonna know what to do? These are all the normal parent questions that we ask in our mind. And so we wanna answer those. They are strong, adaptable, and resilient. It'll take them about two or three nights to adjust to any change in their nighttime routine, and they can totally do it. We want to keep it super simple. We've moved from a blanket to this great little zip-up blanket for you now, and you're going to be just fine. And that's it. Leave it at that. Look like you mean it. And they might cry about it for a night or two just because it's different, not because they hate it. So give that about two or three nights. And this is also why we recommend to make as many changes as possible at the same time because it'll be three to five nights for any change we make. So we don't want to be like, oh, we take the pillow out now and then I'm going to go over, you know, to this little zip up
2: sleep sack. No, do it all at once. Just do it all at once. They'll be just fine. Another phrase I really love, this is how we keep you safe. I love you. I believe in you. And I'll see you when the sun comes up.
1: Hey, this is Megan. Um, I'm from Scranton,
0: Pennsylvania. And my question is about my two-year-old son. He's randomly started hitting our dog. And I just don't know how to stop him from doing that. He doesn't understand hurt. He doesn't understand sorry. And I really just don't know what to do. I'm really worried about it. And obviously right now I'm keeping my son and our dog separated, but I'm concerned that this is going to happen somewhere else if he's at school and it happens with another child. So thank you for your help. Sons and dogs and sons and dogs and sons and dogs.
2: Daughters and dogs too. Yes. It goes both ways. And it is. It's one of those things. Megan. I know that you are worried that this is going to last forever or it's going to transfer to another kid or, or whether they're hitting the dog or not. These are learning opportunities and, and it is something. I get where you're worried about it, but we're going to give you some things that are going to help right away. Okay, <laughs> maybe not super fast. Well, and you know, we mentioned before the toddler by design.
0: Um, that's in an app. You can take a little quiz, but it's the smart paradigm with it, which stands for social movement, and engineer, rule follower, and touch. And these kids are touch kids—the ones that like to hit and swat and, and bite. Hair. Yes, and the, but on the other side of that really great motivator is that affectionate kid that also likes to hug and and pet and yes, snuggle. snuggle. Oh, yeah. So we probably have a little touch kit on our hands. So um, they're exploring what human touch means. And this is a great time just to kind of harness and temper that um, with the pets. So first of all, know that you're not <laughs> raising a, a little terror. This is just how they were designed. And they just don't know how hard is too hard or when we do it. So, you know, we're really in a in a beautiful moment here because they want the people that are bigger and smarter than them that help keep life in control to give them the information that they're looking for in this world. And that's going to match with their development. So sometimes they just don't have the developmental capacity to not hit that hard. Like they have to practice so that they can get that control over how fast their arm moves. Um, but I do want to reassure you, it is not Mean-spirited, they're trying to test things out. They're trying to, you know, just get accustomed to the way that they're designed and figure out how it works. And the dog, oh, what a lovely cohort! Um, There are. We're going to start with the whole dog situation. So there are some dogs that are not going to take uh, to that very well. I mean, yeah. And Laura is almost a dog expert. She had how many of the dogs? When you
2: had what ten puppies? Yeah, we we. We had boxers, and we loved these two boxers, just love them. And we were, you know, back in the day, we were like, oh, you know, we' we'll, we'll breed them so that we could maybe one day get one of their puppies right before we were going to get them fixed and all that stuff. So we, uh, yeah, they both got pregnant. I think we had 19 19 puppies at one time. <laughs> right. Nineteen. I do not recommend dog breeding across the board. Don't do it with just five kids. Don't do it <laughs> with any kid. Just don't do it.
0: Um, five but- kids, nineteen boxers. Tell us what oh. some of your some of the things that you've learned about how kids and dogs interact. Like, just how do we keep kids and dogs safe?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I think you know a lot of times, even with the best of dogs, the sweetest, best intention dogs in the world most lovable never would hurt anybody we still want to be very very careful so one of the things is i never put kid my kids on the floor unless i was literally right next to them unless the dogs were put up because if the doorbell ring, rings or squirrel you know <laughs> yeah. the dogs are going to run and go and take care of it. they're not paying attention to the kid that i happen to put on the floor. So I did use the pack and play a lot when the dogs were out just to kind of keep them somewhat separated. Of course, now at at that toddler age when they are getting in the dog food and getting in the water and wanting to pull the dog's tail and their ears and sit on them and all those things that they do, that's when you really have those teachable moments. So a lot of times up until about three years of age, it was repetition repetition, repetition, and distraction. So it was simple statements we do not hit oh, and right. move them to something else. Let's go and play with our blocks, let's go play, you know um, so so that would help. but I think all too often Jennifer when when we say, oh, you know, we'll tell just tell them not to hit. You know, we think, oh yeah, I'll that'll just work. You know, I'll just tell them one time, don't don't hit the dog, and it's supposed to be this miraculous, you know, "Ah!" moment, Uh, and that just doesn't happen, and it's exhausting, right? And well, and it brings to light this twofold way of seeing and helping
0: what's happening. Number one, this child has to figure out how to manage their own limbs. They want. Contact. They love human contact, pet contact. They want to feel things, touch things, smack things, throw things. And we want to give them healthy opportunities in which to do this. That grows them the fastest. And so one of the greatest ways to do this, and it's going to seem counterintuitive, is this kid needs to have wrestle time with a parent in the evenings, especially when all that energy is coming out, because they need feedback onto what kind of rambunctiousness is over the top. What kind of slap, what kind of hit is too hard? And the second part of that is then giving them time and opportunity to practice it differently. So, oh, that hit was too hard. Let's try a softer hit. Can you try that on my arm? Try a little softer. Oh, good. And Even if your dog is um, you know, a dog that you feel really safe with and you are there and they hit the dog, when I say, oh, that hit was too hard, Let's pet the dog. How would you pet the dog? Pet mommy's arm like you would pet the dog. Oh, and you pet their arm that way. Let them pet your arm that way. They just have to be able to practice. And one of the things that they're often looking for is their reaction. So my initiating contact through touch produces a predictable reaction. So we want to give them that information. When you (laughs) hit too hard... The dog doesn't like that. We don't like that. We don't treat each other that way. We do soft touch here. So let's practice. You're going to figure this out. And so we want to be able to harness those opportunities in a safe environment. Like Laura said, we're going to not keep the kids on the floor. We're never going to put a child in between a dog and their food. We're going to be super cautious. At other people's houses who have pets, they'll have to be monitored. I'm not going to take another parent's word for the fact that their pet never hurt anybody. That We hear that a hundred times over. So until we get this kind of more under control, your instincts are on point. Let's just prevent some of that. We say that all the time. While they're learning to walk, take your sharp edges out of the living room. It's going to be a couple months, and it's just going to be safer until they kind of get control over their Um, limbs a little bit more so it's okay
2: and and this is a perfect opportunity at night to speak the truth into them at night when their little heart is open to instruction yep and and one of our favorite phrases and you can kind of incorporate this in is we're hunters and hunters are good to people and dogs and you're gonna be great at it
1: thank you for listening to the mom's on call podcast If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit MomsOnCall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.